<laughs> oh, before we go there, before we go there, hey, it's kind of busy. Monique is going to go gray today. She is going to go gray, running around like never before. A lady I met once uh, six, seven years ago in Cape Town. With a big smile, full of energy, fun to be around. The one and only Desiree Bishkesh Nash. Madam, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Mandla? I'm, I'm well. Uh, How are you? Struggling. I'm, I'm struggling today, I must be honest. So we're going to conduct this uh, discussion and interview intermittent with tears because it's just very hard. I know it's hard for everybody, but it's just hard to believe this time has actually come, Mandla. It's understandable, Tazri. It really is understandable. You, you, ha- you had a long history with Utata. I had such a long, incredible history that I still pinched myself to figure out if this was a dream that I just woke up from or whether it really was real. And, of course, I know it was real. And I just have to say what an honor, what a privilege, how much I've learned, what an incredible experience, a, a lifetime experience. Even if I lived another ten lifetimes, this was the one that took the cake. I can never get over the, the incredibleness of, of this journey with him. Uh, Desri, if you can, please take us back to how this relationship started. Well, I must be honest with you, Mandela, and to the listeners, that it started with a dream and a wish and a prayer, pretty much like probably many other South Africans and people of the world that wanted to just see this man for a moment. And I had dreamed on this and wished and prayed on this for a couple of years at least. I had this deep yearning to meet Tata Madiba. And it occurred on a on a Friday night um, after the elections and three days before his inauguration, I came to find out that he was coming to visit a synagogue in Seapoint in Cape Town, Maria Road. And when I heard this, I thought, oh, my God, here's this opportunity. I'll be there in all my glory, and, and this will be my dream come true. And that's what I figured it was all about. And I went home that night, and I knew I had to give him a gift, and I didn't know what, and suddenly came to mind, well, it's late on a Friday night. I can't get to my shop at the waterfront. Mm. So let me see if there's something in the cupboard that I have. And sure enough, there was an extra large shirt, a black round visco shirt that I'd made in the days that I was still in America. And yes, it did come from Indonesia, where I'd been working for many years. It was batik um, with these uh, tan fishes on black fabric. And I wrapped it up and put a note in the pocket. And I just thought that that was my moment come true. And the next day I went to the synagogue and um, there were a handful of uh, photographers and, and news reporters. And when I said to them, because at this point there was nobody outside except the photographers and, and the red carpet awaiting his, his imminent arrival, everyone else was pretty much inside the synagogue already. And... I said to one or two of the photographers that I had a gift for Nelson Mandela, and they looked at me and kind of thought I was the big joke of the morning and kind of fluffed it off as if to say, and they did, you know, they're going to think it's a bomb, kind of American style. (laughs) Anyways, I went inside, and um, that moment Nelson Mandela appeared a little while later, and he made his keynote speech to the, um, the, the people of Cape Town that were there that morning. And, you know, it just, it was so much like he was talking to me. He talked about the fact that he knew that the Jews had been splintered across the world because of apartheid and that he urged us to bring our families back and to bring back what the skills that we'd learned. And I had just come back because I wanted to be part of this new South Africa. I wanted to be part of the Nelson Mandela regime and, and this whole unfolding of everything new in the world. And, um, after this keynote speech, he actually went to go and have tea with um, the head rabbi, Cyril Harris, and, and whoever was, you know, there that day. 
And I stepped back outside the synagogue, and, and now the streets were lined with literally hundreds and hundreds of grannies and nannies and gardener men and, and everybody standing arm in arm just to catch a glimpse of this iconic man. And um, I managed to get to his, his, his car, and I asked the driver, I knocked on the window, and he opened the window, and then he stepped outside, and, and I told him that I had this gift, and he signaled and whistled over to this gorgeous man standing in, in a double-breasted jacket and said to him, you know, see this lady. And I kind of moved through the crowd to get to him, and I looked up at this. He was also a very tall, beautiful African man, and I said to him, I've got a gift for Nelson Mandela. Please, would you give it to him, and would you give him a hug and tell him how much I love him, please? And, and thank you for everything that he's done for our country. And this man just so humbly accepted the gift on my behalf and he popped open the boot and put it there. And that was the beginning of a, of a complete change in my direction of my life in the course of the history of my life. And on Monday, uh, which was the 10th of May, inauguration day, he actually wore it to the dress rehearsal of the opening of Parliament. Of course, I didn't know this until Tuesday. Somebody called me. It was the 11th of of May, and they said to me, Desiree, have you got the burger? And I said, sorry, oops, I don't read the burger. And this friend of mine said, you better hurry on down and get one because there's something there you need to see. And I just remember getting in my car, going down the hill, and going to buy the burger, and there it was on page three. I opened it up, this most beautiful photograph of Nelson Mandela wearing that shirt. Wow. And, I, you know, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God, the shirt hasn't even been ironed. It's just taken straight out of the wrapper and, and put onto his body. And I could not actually believe that what I was seeing was my shirt. I kept saying, is it? It can't be. It can't be, but it is. <laughs> and and that was the beginning, Mandla. That was the first um, shirt that I ever gave him. And I then, you know, I was like on this. After that, I was like, oh, my God, you know, this is like bigger than the dream that I had. And I was urged to make contact. Um, immediately, I, I called the union building and I asked to speak to Nelson Mandela's um, secretary, and I actually got put through to her, this amazing woman who became such a close friend of mine. She's now the late Mary Makladana. And I sent her the photograph, figuring I forgot that the burger is even a national newspaper. Yeah. I cut the photograph out and sent it to her along with probably three or four other shirts, and then this relationship began with Mary. And the next thing, I received a letter from her with quotes from Utata to me that I still have written down. Obviously, I've kept all these memorabilia. And, you know, the quote that he said, I remember this was the first letter that I ever received from him. And it was written by her, but in quotations from him. And he said, in order for reconciliation and the birth, the rebirth of a new nation, we need many more Desirees. And you know what? I will just treasure every little bit of experience and, and the grace that he bestowed upon me. It's, it's hard to share with you all, but it's something that needs to be shared because it's so precious. Mm. Since then, then Desiree, you, you became the regular designer of the, the shirts. And, 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 you know, many of us get curious. Did he just give you creative license or did you sometimes consult with him as to the designs and, and the patterns? Okay. What happened after that, Mandela, is that um, in that first 11 months, I continued sending shirts to Mary for him. Mm. And... Um, obviously, you know, now my dream to meet the man became greater and more passionate than ever. The drive and the prayer was just, I, I can't explain the, the, the drive that I had and the amount of times that I prayed to God for an opportunity to meet him. 
And out of the blue, one day, I received a phone call from Mary. It was about the 16th of May, 2005. So 11, 12 months later, and she said to me, Desiree, um, I'm going to arrange for you to meet the president um, on this coming Monday. And I went, oh, my God, Mary, are you serious? I'm not going to be here. She said to me, how about tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock? And I was like, I'll be there. And I remember putting the phone down, and I literally collapsed on the floor on my back. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to meet Nelson Mandela tomorrow. And so there began. I went to Tainhase the next morning, you know, probably my proudest moment in my life. And I just remember I was sitting in, in his study waiting room with Mary. Mm. And the next thing, the door opened. And there was our hero, this giant of a man, standing to welcome me. And I got up and I walked towards him. And before I could even say, before I could even greet him, he just looked down at me and he said, what an honor to meet you. And I just threw myself into his arms. And I remember saying, Desiree, you're hugging the president. You're crying on the president's shirt. You know, let go. (laughs) And, you know, he's just such a humble, warm man that he hugged me back as much as I hugged him. Anyway, so the next thing I knew, I was sitting in front of him inside his office at um, Kane And we we talked about a few things and, and, and his memory and recollection of, of, of history and parliamentary records, because I quoted something to him about my great-great-grandfather that was a mayor pre-apartheid, and he quoted which parliamentary records that came out of and said to me that he was a very good man. And after that, I said to him that, I would like to be of assistance to him in any way that I can, if it's the government of national unity or in any way. I said, I'm not looking for a job. I don't want any money. I just want to help in some way. And he said to me, well, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a men's shirt designer. He said, well, how would you like to make silk shirts for me? And that was the beginning of the silk shirt era. And, of course, I then said to him, you know, it would be my greatest honor to be able to do that for you, Madiba. And I then asked him if it would be possible to get one of his favorite fitting shirts so that I had an actual pattern base that I could work from. And mm. during that conversation, I then said to him, please tell me what your favorite colors are. And he said to me, earth tones. And you know what? After 150 silk shirts, I've done every version of, of, of earth tones, including every color of the rainbow that's possible, you know. And there was never a time that I saw him in those shirts that I ever thought, oh, there's Tata again. It was like, oh, my God. He's standing with the United Nations, always with the United Security, with the Security Council, always wearing these shirts. And yeah. I had other opportunities where I went to his home and he quoted to me one time, he said to me, Desiree, um, uh, Giorgio Armani has called me and he's very most upset that I'm not wearing his suits and that I wear these funny looking shirts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, Madiba always had a joke to crack. I mean, he, he told me that um, Desmond Tutu didn't like the shirts at all, that he thought they looked like pajamas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Desiree, also, I mean, when you think about it, you helped Tata to buck the dress code in Parliament because you were always supplying these shirts that he liked, and uh, sometimes among men wearing suits, uh, Tata walked in with a nice silk shirt. You know, it's again, Mandla, I promise you, South Africa, it's the most insane, incredible reflection of my life for the last 15, 17 years to have been involved with, to have been associated with, to have been so close to, and then to know that I actually put shirts on this man's back and that he loved them so much, Mm -hmm. and that they became 
synonymous with his personality and his character and that, you know, that's what he chose to stand out amongst the crowd. He was always a cut above the rest and those shirts, you know, made that statement. He wanted it to look different, to look bold, to look charismatic, to, and, and it just, and I just can't get over it. I'm still in, in a state of shock of this whole experience and now with his passing, it's even more of a unbelievable moment to reflect all of these times, Mandla. We're chatting to Desiree uh, Bieschni, Bieschi Nash. Sorry to mess up your surname. Bieschi Nash. Uh, yeah, no, she, the, the Nash part's actually not there. It's just Desiree Bieschi. Okay. Desiree Bieschi, she's the designer, the lady who designed uh, Tata's shirts, as we saw Tata being fashionable, being smooth like that. I think some people would have said, um, if he had not gone into prison, he would have been the man about town. He would have been a fashion uh, trendsetter. We would have looked up to him to say, I want to look like him. But now, Desiree, please help me understand here. I'm told that there are presidential shirts Mandela yes. shirts and Madiba shirts. Is that different yes. in these shirts? No, um, you know, my, the, the company presidential shirt was the company that um, I've always had. Mm. And, um, you know, Madiba shirts is what they've become known as, Mandela shirts. And, you know, there are others that have also contributed to his wardrobe. I would never claim to own ownership over the shirts, but I have done, I would say, you know, anywhere from 70 to 90% of the shirts that he's sported on most occasions. And, um, you know, Grasha once told me that I'd actually done over 150 shirts. And I want to just share a really special little story with you. Yes. And and that is from the time that I got to meet him at Tainhase in 1995, and he asked me to make the silk shirts for him, I actually saved all what we know in the garment industry normally as scraps they get thrown away but these were to me they became off cuts they were like little diamonds in the rough i didn't know what i was going to do with them but i saved them for years and years and years i just put them in black bags and i asked my special tailor to keep them and keep them and one day i knew what it was i wanted to do with it i was going to turn it into a piece of memorabilia for myself a, a quilt that i thought i could have on my bed and show people and that would be my special piece of history with all Madiba shirts. And after my dad's passing, um, I managed to patch it all together, have it all sewn up, with lined with silk, and it had this beautiful trim of cream silk around the border. And I brought it home, and I put it on my bed, and my cat jumped on the bed, my late cat Mo, and I picked Mo up by the scruff of his neck, and I said, no, Mo, this is too big for you and your claws. And I put the kitty on the ground, and, and then I thought, you know what, Jose, this is too big for you. And I folded it up, and I didn't know what I was going to do with this thing, Mandla. I folded it, and I put it in the cupboard, and I thought, you know what? I will sleep on it. I will dream on it, and one day God will give me the idea of what needs to be done with this. I literally put it away for years, and I woke up one morning, and I was like, oh, my God, I know what's got to happen to this. It's not a quilt. It's a wall hanging. It needs to be in some major, mega corporate office, but how am I going to get it there? And I knew but if I had the opportunity, because I hadn't seen Madiba for five years now, after he retired, he was living in Johannesburg. I didn't have that direct daily access as before. Yeah. And um, obviously I was missing him like everybody else, but, you know, I'd been used to, or I had, I won't say used to, but I'd had the privilege of being able to see him from time to time. And that was no longer since he retired. But I knew that I had to pray for a way to get back to Tata, to give him this piece of, of, of memorabilia. Mm. And... 
the opportunity came, Mandla. Um, a very, very dear friend of mine, who's very, very close to Madiba, and I met um, Dan Atala totally independently of Madiba. He used to be a friend and a client of mine. I didn't even know that he was that cl- close to Madiba. And um, in December 2006, out of the blue, I hadn't even spoken to Dan for years. Dan Atala calls me and he says, Desiree, I just want to ask you, says, would you like me to take some shirts for you to Tata because I'm going with Grasha and... Um, I'm going with Mum Grasha and Tata to Mauritius for two weeks, and I thought that if you wanted me to take some shirts, I said, Dan, of course, I'm going to get some shirts together for you, like pronto. But I said, I've got another thing that I need to tell you about, and I said, do you have time? And I quickly related the story of this patchwork wall hanging come, it was a quilt. And he said to me, are you serious? I said, no, I'm really, really serious. He said, leave it with me, and I said to him, Dan, I know this thing can fetch some great amount if it was given an opportunity to auction. I said, the only thing I'm asking for is that I get to present it to Nadeem myself. And um, I had to go away to Indonesia on work in that December, and it was six months passing anniversary of my late dad to the day. It was the 31st of December. He died on the 31st of July, my dad. And my Balinese staff, I had three, I saw three Balinese staff, they were making this very beautiful ceremony for me with incense and a photograph of my dad and flowers and rice and all the offerings that, you know, the Balinese Hindu people do when they honor um, a passing of a, of a loved one. And as, as the ceremony finished and I was just in such great gratitude to, you know, remember the, the reflection of my dad. And, and with that, and with that, um, I get a text, and it's from Dan. And the message said, meeting set for Mozambique with Tata for the 7th of February, 2007. And I was like, oh, my God, it's happening. And you know what was so incredible about this, Mandla, is that it, it was a second dream that I had. The first dream was to meet Madiba. I never knew that I was going to make shirts for him. My dream was just to meet the man, to be able to honor him and say thank you to him. And it turned into something so much more than a dream. I can't explain. You guys are hearing the story. But here I got to dream upon another goal, another wish, and it came true. And before I knew it, I was flying with Dan down to Mozambique on the Friday, the 6th of February, 2007, with a quilt, with some more shirts, and with a letter that I typed up for him that while I was away. And before you knew it, I was standing in, in front of study in his home, in, 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 in Mum Grush's home and his home in Mozambique with my green suitcase with the quilt and the shirt. And I remember walking into the room and he looked up and he said, oh, where do you know Dan from? And I said, Madiba, Dan's been a friend for such a long time. And he said to me, now, Dan is a man that you can really trust. And before you know it, I was sitting on an ottoman with Grasha, with Madiba, and Dan said to me, Desiree, would you like me to read your letter to, to them? And I said, please, Dan. And there I sat. That was the most incredible moment of my life, being able to witness them listening to this letter of my life story. I was reflecting my life story with Mandela up until this point. Desiree, and then was my De- dream for the quilt. Desiree, uh, because of time constraints, my darling, um, I wanted to ask, if one has a presidential shirt, a Madiba shirt, or Mandela shirt, they still have the real thing, the real deal. Yes. Ah, okay. Then I got one. You've got one. What do you mean is it the real deal? Somebody asked me the other day on air, um, 
they thought that Madiba shirts were bulletproof. So yeah, they're bulletproof. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I must tell you quickly before we wrap up. I know we, we can talk for lots of hours. I bought a shirt in your store, Waterfront, in Cape Town seven years ago. And yes. I've saved it uh, for a special day. It is still in its plastic. And um, I checked it this morning before I came to work because I knew I was going to talk to you. It still fits. Aww, I haven't used it. I saved it for Ooh, a special what, day. What color is it, Mandla? It's black and white. Oh, and is it, is, it, is it one of the silk shirts? Yes. Oh, my God. What a precious thing. I hope, um, um, are you based in Cape Town, Mandla? I'm in Joburg, Mum. You're in Joburg. Okay, well, um, I'd love to be able to just, you know, stay in touch with you and, and, and maybe you can drop me an email or something like that. Maybe one of your staff could just, uh, you've got my phone number, if you can just, because I'd like to, you know, further this, this conversation and maybe even have another opportunity of having a talk like this and tell you some of the other incredible stories and interactions with this beautiful soul. We will have that opportunity, no doubt. No doubt. Desiree, thank you very much uh, for dressing Dada. Thank you for being there. Uh, I just want to say to South Africa and to Madiba, rest in peace, darling soul. And thank you for shining the brightest light ever on South Africa. And we honor you and salute you. And we'll always look up to find you in the stars, Madiba. We know you're going to be shining on us. Thank you for everything you've done. And thank you for giving me the honor to dress you. Fantastic. Desiree, be well. Go get your rest. And have a fabulous day, Mom. Thank you so much. That's a Desiree Bieski there, the um, the lady who actually continued to supply data with a lot of shirts. I know uh, people are thinking of Uputsonabil and Damas. He also designed a few shirts, and also the designs of the shirts was not exclusive to Desiree, but Desiree was able to supply a bit more. A greater number of these shirts, obviously, as you heard, the invitations and so forth. She was not exclusively doing it. There were other people who did it as well, but everyone who was able to, um, you know, give that, that day gift, that and the other fantastic stuff. Obviously, if you have the shed, hopefully you'll put it on tomorrow. I'm going to get mine out of the wardrobe. It's been sitting in, the, in its plastic bag seven years, believe it or not. I've had it seven years. Um, I kept on saying, I need to find a special day to put this shirt on. And um, still I haven't found a day, but maybe I'll put it on tomorrow. It's a black and white one. Lovely shirt.